for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show, well, it's taken almost two months of podcasting to get him, but the wait is finally over. That's right, the one and only editor in chief of the Athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami, joins us today for our final Niner fan group therapy session of the week. I know what you're thinking. TK, making me feel better about the loss? Give me a break. But you might be surprised that our block-happy boss has actually given me more hope than anyone else I've read this week. So let's get into why all of us Niner fans should feel good about what the team accomplished this year and why last Sunday's failure may just be the final learning moment that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan need to capture the Niners' first Lombardi the next time they get the chance. It's Friday, February 7th. Well, Tim Kawakami, welcome to the update. It's about darn time we had you on, man. Yeah, I don't know. We, we, we were spinning around doing too many other things, I think, but about time I talked to Kate Scott. I, I appreciate <laughs> being on. Well, we appreciate you coming on, and, and we know that you've been busy writing and traveling to Miami and back, but really I think you've probably been most busy blocking people on Twitter the last week. I feel like there was a spike. Was there a spike in your blockage? After the Super Bowl, maybe, yeah, maybe <laughs> a little bit, with a little bit of overexcitement and some some uh, avenues about 49er <laughs> fans being a little bit mad. It's never like Raider fans, Kate. It's never going to be the same. Okay, they're moving to Las Vegas, and I may never get them again. But yeah, mm. there was a, certainly a little adrenaline spike, I think, on the Twitter and. You understand it. It's the biggest game of all. There's millions and millions and millions of people watching it, and every play seems to matter 100 times more than any other play. But the same thinking goes into it. The same reasoning goes into it. So if you're going to start screaming on me at Twitter, like, you know everything, and the world's coming to an end, I might just go ahead and make <laughs> your Twitter following of me come to an end. <laughs> exactly. Well, and speaking of Twitter, I read yesterday, and it didn't seem like you were alone in this, that you missed the 49ers postseason presser for the first time because of traffic? Come on, Tim. What's yeah. going on? Uh, yeah, that one was uh, I, unprecedented. I usually leave really, really early, which I left pretty early, and then just got jammed up those Bay Area freeways. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't the only one either. And no. Just, I, I, it just was a mess, and I guess I should have left two and a half hours early instead of one <laughs> and a half hour early, but uh, that's the way it goes. I listened to it. It was as someone, you know, from the team said, oh, yeah, you know, Kyle and John did a really great job presenting, you know, what they feel and how they felt about the game and where they go from here. And I thought so. It was everything. And I was surprised. I don't know whether that person was trying to tell me, gee, this was unique. I, I didn't expect Kyle Shan to say, oh, man, I messed up in that game and that yeah. was terrible and forget about it. I mean, he wasn't going to do that. He's a very confident coach. He's confident in what he does. It didn't work. Not all of it. They were up 20 to 10. So it worked to that point. But he wasn't going to say, oh, now I regret everything. He was going to say, I, I did what I did for a reason. It's one of the reasons we were up 20 to 10, and then it didn't work after that. And, and you don't, a confident coach doesn't start rethinking everything he did. He had a reason for it, and then moved forward. And, in fact, he's, you know, he's learned some things from past events, and I'm sure he'll learn something from this Super Bowl. But not the, the fact that he got to 20 to 10, and there were plays to be made, and they, and they weren't made. And so they, they tweak here, they tweak there, and – there shouldn't be a moment where they're like, okay, that was terrible. We're, we'll change everything. You know, they were pretty close to winning the Super Bowl. You don't change a lot when you're there. Yeah, and I think uh, for me that's definitely been the perspective I've gained since Sunday, that obviously at first you're disappointed as a fan because it felt like you had it. But in the days since, I've had to step back and say, 
Okay, first of all, this team was 4-12, and and they made it to the Super Bowl. And then, even though it hurts worse in some ways because they did have that 20-10 to lead, they almost won the whole damn thing after winning four games the year before. Has the week changed your perspective on the Niners season at all? No, yeah, I mean, I felt that pretty much going in. That's the one thing I try to protect against is thinking what just happened is the most important thing and everything else before it means nothing. No, everything yeah. means something. Super Bowl, it, obviously, that's where they lift the trophy or they don't. But getting to that point from 4-12, and 12, as you said, from you know two, three years, four years of, of really poor play before that is important because they made the right decisions to get to that point. Getting to a 20-10 to 10 lead is important because they're good enough to do that. Giving up 21 straight points at the end is not good. But what I always, you know, I do react to is fans saying, oh, it would be better if I never made the Super Bowl. And then, you know, then they wouldn't have had all this. and all this. No, yeah. no, no, no. You want the team and you want the coach and you want the quarterback and you want the defense that can get you to that moment. It doesn't make them worse if they get to that moment and then don't win. There are 30 teams that did not get to that point. 30 teams that wished they were at that point. The Chiefs might have wished they were up 20 to 10, by the way, and they weren't. So you just have to understand that. Now, listen, there's always a Super Bowl hangover. I'm sure there will be. I think Kyle and John sounded pretty tired at that press conference. Everybody's tired. They're going to have to take some time. They're going to have to factor that in. The Warriors went through this themselves, by the way. They've lost two championships. Other teams have done this. You have to gut through it, but realize, and this is what Shanahan and Lynch were talking about yesterday, there's something special about this team. If you believe there is something special, then you can do you can repeat it or even be better the next season. You have to believe that. You can't just say, oh, you know what? We got there, didn't make it. Now we're going to have Super Bowl blues and forget about it for a couple yeah. of years. You can't do it that way. They are a year early. There's no question they were a year early to get to the Super Bowl, even if you thought they were a pretty good team going to make the playoffs. If they were a year early, maybe next year is their year. That's where the focus has to be, and I think it's not illogical to make it. You know, I really enjoyed the piece that you wrote in the lead-up to last Sunday about how the Niners' leadership, as you mentioned, John and Kyle, but Jed, too, how they're working so well together, almost because it wasn't love at first sight for any of them, that that Kyle wasn't Jed's top choice, that Lynch wasn't either. For folks who didn't see that article yet, Tim, fill in some of the details for us and why you think the trio is such a good fit. I hate the cliche, but it was organic. They didn't go into this. Jed didn't go into this with saying, I'm going to hire Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and that's the perfect thing, and I want to consider nobody else, and that's it, the perfect thing. It's there. It's all the game plan. No, it was Josh McDaniels was the guy he first talked to be the head coach, the office coordinator of New England Patriots, and they were going to bring Nick Casario, personnel guy with Patriots. It wasn't an offer. There wasn't like a done deal, but that was their first plan until they kind of didn't see eye to eye or it didn't really go well with McDaniels, and Casario wasn't that interested. And then it made them take another look and step back and say, maybe we talked, you know, they talked to a lot of guys. A lot of them, I think every one of their finalists ended up with a job, by the way, which is a yeah. pretty good finalist group there. And talked to Kyle Shanahan. And then he, and, and not thinking that Kyle was the guy, the guy, just seeing what he was. And as Jed says, after about 10 minutes, he knew he was the guy because Kyle wasn't telling him everything was great. Kyle wasn't cautious about what he was saying. Kyle was saying, this is what I think your roster is. He just played them with the Falcons and destroyed the Ford So here's what I think about your roster. It's bad. It's bad <laughs> here. It's bad here. It's bad here. It's bad here. And if you want to do this, you have to let me have full authority and let me pick a general manager. We'll do it together, but it's going to be my pick. And you're going to come into it knowing that the first few years might not be great. 
and they went through this and they went through the process of finding, you know, they looked at other guys. They looked at guys in Seattle. They looked at other people whom they might team with Shanahan and John Lynch threw his name in the hat and they kind of liked that. And they gave him some, you know, personality tests or whatever you want to call it. And, and Shanahan and Lynch, who didn't really know each other real well, again, organic. It wasn't like, this is my plan. John Lynch has been my pick to be general manager for five years. <laughs> Nothing like that. Uh, it just kind of fit, fit, fit. And the personalities fit. I think Lynch is a real important part of this. He's not in control. Kyle Shanahan is the guy in control, but Lynch is perfect to kind of accept that and have his strong hand in there too. And when Kyle goes off on people, which Kyle admits he does, John Lynch is the guy called in kind of like, okay, you know, we can make this okay. And I do think Lynch is going to be really important kind of in the aftermath. It's like, Kyle's runs hot and cold. We all know mm-hmm. that. This is, this is what makes him a great coach. He, he burns hot. And to kind of ease them to the next phase, to get them past this aftermath, I think John Lynch's personality, there's nobody in the league who says a bad thing about John Lynch. He's a, he's a good guy. To get them kind of eased through it, I think John Lynch is going to be a big part of it. And for this to all happen, kind of, hey, one thing leads to another, leads to another, and you're the right guy, now you're the right guy, now you're the right guy, I think makes Jed York feel better about it because it was a process, it wasn't a package. And it makes all of them feel like, yeah, we all agreed to this together. Nobody came in and said, this is exactly the way it has to be. No, it's like separate things all coming together and they got what they got. It didn't look great for two years, but maybe if it came any other different, any other way, those first two years, you would have people pulling apart. They all came into this together. Like, okay, we're going to get this. Now, listen, if it didn't work this year, I think some things might have started pulling apart. But it did. It worked. It worked out very well. And I think this is a good group to get through something as, you know, as trying as messing up a Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. And I I think Lynch, especially his personality, will do very well for them as they, you know, start up, came in, you know, know, draft combine, mini camp. Can you imagine that starting pretty quickly to kind of get them through it, maybe with a little vacation here and there? I think John Lynch will be really key for it. Yeah, well, and I found it interesting in addition to talking about the trio in charge of the 49ers, you're revisiting of the impact that the drafting and eventual dismissal of Reuben Foster had on what the roster looks like now. Um, Because we all know it's never easy to admit that you failed. I mean, Tim, we're all human. We don't like to fail. But if you're willing to examine it, sometimes it can be a great thing. So why was that experience, though it was tough at the time, a good thing for John and Kyle to go through? I think it's a couple things there. I think it was good for the locker room because they saw that Lynch and Shanahan, you know, drafted talent. He's clearly a talented player. They they might have taken him third overall at one point. They've, that's how much I'd like to end up taking Solomon Thomas. It's a whole other question there. Pure talent. That's what they wanted. They wanted him to be their, you know, their quarterback of their defense. He got into trouble, and they gave him a clear line. They didn't blow him out immediately. Now some of us would have done that. I understand any opinion, and I was kind of part of that, but. They got through that, and they said, if this ever happens again, this comes up again, you're gone. It was clear. The locker room understood that. There was another incident, obviously, not that long ago. It feels like five years ago. It was barely over a year ago in the hotel the night before a game. Another incident, domestic violence arrest, which was not prosecuted, but he was gone. You know, If this ever happened again, if it came up, he was gone. And that declarative confident again they made a mistake with him no question 
they might have said they might have they made a mistake keeping him after the first few incidents, but they made it clear that if this happens again, he's gone. Very talented player, player that both guys love. Incredibly, you know, can be very very gregarious, but could, could not stay out of trouble. And if you just if you're a confident group, you also understand when you've made a mistake. And you can accept that you've made a mistake, and you can move on from it. And then they signed Quan Alexander. Did not know that he was going to be as good as he turned out to be. Got injured, but he turned out to be, you know, a, a locker room unifier. He became a, a, the emotional leader of this team in many ways. I think there's also the other lesson is you don't have to hit on everything. Now you don't want to blow it very often. And they didn't have a great first round of their first draft, which is Solomon Thomas three, and then trade up and did it for back in the first round and draft Ruben Foster. But if you can continue to do it your process you stay true to what you want also maybe you learn to pick players of high character if all else fails no stick to that stay away from players who have some red flags and you stay together on it you don't start pointing fingers i think you have a much more solid group overall you want talent and you want you know to make sure you don't blow picks you know don't don't blow things but you can't come back from errors if you stay, if there's a credibility to it, if you accept things. And I think we've seen that out of Lynch and Shanahan. And we've seen it on the field. We've seen it off the field. We've seen it in the front office. Uh, the unification of ideas and personalities. We've seen it when it broke apart with 49ers, right? Harbaugh, yep. Balky, and Jed York mm-hmm. did not help. I think Jed York saw that, has learned over time how to manage that. And now you have two guys, Shanahan and Lynch. Now we're, they're going to go through this Super Bowl thing, and I think they're, they're still feeling it, and we'll see how they come out of it. But if I had to pick two guys who are going to get out of it just fine and have a team that feels just as strong as it was last season, it's going to be those two guys. Yeah, so let's let's end there, Tim. You know, continue on that process theme and making mistakes and failure but learning from them. What do you expect John and Kyle to take from Sunday's failure in Miami? <laughs> You know, I think they're going to take that they were up 20 to 10. I think that's going to, I mean, they were talking about it yesterday. They're going to keep, you know, they're, they're going to remind themselves of it. It's, they're the team that was a player two, really, from winning the Super Bowl. You can't throw that away. They're, they're going to have to resign some guys. Some guys are going to leave. This is just the reality of football, especially when you have that much talent. But I think their main emphasis is going to be they're good. They're good teams. Kyle Shanahan said it. They thought, he thought they were the best team in the NFL. I, I agree with him. I picked them to win. Chiefs were better in that game, certainly in the last seven and a half minutes. Patrick Mahomes singularly can beat you at times. Uh, but I think there's a few tweaks in the roster. Probably need another receiver, need another cornerback. There's some things they need to do. But I think the main thing is don't give up on what you've done. Don't surrender things. You know, Don't give up on Jimmy Garoppolo. Not that I thought they were going to. But through three or four bad passes at the end, that doesn't mean he wasn't the guy that got you 13-3 through the NFC playoffs into the Super Bowl up 2010. I think mainly it's a reaffirmation. You don't only do the same things, but you don't tell yourself anything was wrong when you got to that moment and you got to that point and you just need to make five more plays. You just need to make sure those plays are there within your reach again. And once you're there, you do. I think quarterback's a big part of it. I think there's some secondary play that's a big part of it, but no team's perfect. The Chiefs broke down themselves at times. Mm-hmm. It's just to make sure that nobody feels, you know, ruined by this. Nobody feels everything has to change. Nobody feels, you know, what got them there didn't work. What got them there almost got them the Super Bowl. And I, I think they're ready to know this. 
but I think they'll keep saying this throughout minicamp and in the training camp. But well, not in training camp, they're going to be sick and tired of talking about it. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that's going to be repeated very often up until the moment they put those pads back on. Oh, man. Tim Kawakami spinning somewhat positive. I like it. I like this version of you, Tim. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. You know what? Pretty good team, pretty good season. So, and then they didn't win at the end, and they'll try to do it next season. On to next season. Thanks, Tim, for the time. You got it. On to next season, indeed. And when it comes to retaining some of the talent that helped them reach the Super Bowl for next season and beyond, some more good news for United fans. GM John Lynch said at yesterday's press conference they know that defensive lineman Eric Armstead is going to be expensive, coming off the best season of his six-year NFL career. But they're going to try their best to keep the Sacramento native in red and gold for the long haul. Eric's an excellent player. He had an excellent year. I think everything's on the table. We want to find a way to keep him and uh, make him a part of the Niners for a long time. Armstead earned $9 million on a fifth-year option this year. It would cost the team approximately $18 million to retain him on the franchise tag next season. Or they may work out a long-term deal. We'll see. The Niners have sole negotiating rights with Armstead until March 16th. Coming up in the next few weeks here on The Update. Pitchers and catchers report to Arizona next week. So we'll talk A's in a few and get into all things Giants with Grant Brisby next week. The Raiders are headed to Vegas, and it sure seems like there's going to be a shakeup at the quarterback position before the Silver and Black season opener next fall. We'll discuss with the great Vic Tafer. We'll get into the inspiring journey of 49ers offensive assistant Katie Sowers through a conversation with her mom, Bonnie. Yep, that's right. Mama Sowers is stopping by the update because, well, because mom interviews are the best. And on our next show, the Warriors went on a trade deadline tear highlighted by the move that sent D'Angelo Russell to Minnesota for former number one overall pick Andrew Wiggins. We'll dive into how that move impacts the club and what the rest of the transactions mean for Golden State as well with Warriors beat writer Anthony Slater. All right, that's your update for today. If you're enjoying the pod, we'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe. It always feels kind of weird me asking for that, but it matters a lot. So we appreciate those of you who already have, and if you just want to keep listening, that's fine by us too. For Brian, Tanika, all of us here at The Update, I'm Kate Scott. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday.